What up artists? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm the creative director and founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. This is the Art Pays Me podcast and I'm passionate about finding ways that people like you and me can make a living for ourselves off of our creativity and you know maybe we can make the world a better place at the same time. Let's get into it. All right, everyone, welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have DK. DK, what do you do? What do I do? Hmm. Well, I do a lot of things. Um, I guess I'm a, we consider myself to be a beat maker, producer, uh, musician, even dabble in a little bit of um, uh, audio engineering too. Okay. But, yeah. That'd uh, be a good fit. How long have you been doing this? Uh, I think I made my first beat in 2008 so it's been almost 12 years wow you're a veteran i know me too yeah you look young to be working that long yeah i started at a young age but still uh-huh. it's still like yeah it feels like it's just been forever but i guess right. it's funny the way time works because like i look back like even two years ago and just why it's like nothing really in the grand scheme of things right right so you, there's a lot of keys in your music. Is that that samples, or are you actually playing those keys? Uh, probably both. Okay. Sometimes I sample keys. Sometimes I play. All right. And All sample right. myself. Okay. Yeah. Nice, nice. So where'd you grow up? Um, so I grew up in St. John. Well, just outside of St. John's, Newfoundland. It's like community. It's called Torbay. So if yeah. you know the airport, basically, it's yeah, right. It's right next to the airport. Okay. Cool, cool. And like, were you the type of kid that was like banging on pots and pans and all of that? Uh, no, I never actually banged on too many pots and pans. But uh, <laughs> I was told when I was younger, I used to sing a lot. So I guess like, you know, that would make sense a little bit. Right. So like music's just always been a thing. That you it's always love. been a thing. Yeah. My parents always played music and that type of thing. So. Okay. All right, cool. So, like, what kind of, actually, what kind of music did your parents play in the house? I'm curious. Uh, like, a lot of classic rock. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of classic rock. Like, I'll say, you know, the Beatles. Um, uh, who else? Like, uh, Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, yeah, classic, mostly classic rock. Queen. I think okay. bands like that, typically. So but, I, we, but they also listen to, like, a lot of other stuff as well. But yeah. I would say that's what I remember mostly just being played. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, just listening to your music, there's a, a lot of it has a jazz feeling to it. Is that something that you listen to? Yeah, I listen to a lot of jazz. Mm. It's probably my favorite genre of music. Oh, yeah. I get like, even like that Coltrane of the moment, um, Coltrane of the movement song um, yeah. with uh, Aquaculture, Timbuktu, and Ghetto Socks. I was just checking that out and I was like, yeah, this is definitely giving me some jazz vibes. Um, and like, do you feel like even like those, like the classic rock sort of influences you in a subtle way? Cause I don't necessarily pick it up in, in your music. Hey, that's a good question. I don't really, I don't associate myself like with the classic rock influence, but like a lot of the times back then, people just kind of made good music. 
mm-hmm. more so than now. So I'd say more so than anything. That's what I take away from that. Got you. Like everybody back then could play. Like I can't really say that nowadays, if that makes any sense. Right. So for you, it's important that like you're not just um, sampling sounds. You're actually part of like building something up from a, like a ground level with layers and, and all that kind of stuff. That's- yeah, that that's my style. But I mean, if somebody just wants to use samples, like I don't, you know, consider them any less of a beat maker producer because that's like the you know that's where the essence that's where it comes from yeah and there's obviously sampling really good musicians so Mm -hmm. so what is it about like would you consider yourself a hip-hop producer yeah i do so what is it about hip-hop that you're drawn to as a kid in newfoundland Uh, good question um i just used to have a friend that um who was a neighbor basically and he just like used to play some some uh different uh kind of hip-hop like he used to play like um a tribe called quest and like some Nas and stuff like that when we were younger mm-hmm. and uh i know i just like the rhythm part of it and i was like what is this because i never mm-hmm. really listened up to that point like a whole lot so then essentially what i did is like i just went back and dug into like what some of these uh bands and or artists were referenced we're mm-hmm. referencing like for example tribe and like Nas, you know they would reference like a lot of jet they were sampling a lot of jazz and a lot of soul yeah so i think that that i kind of pinpointed that that's the part of it that i liked mm-hmm. yeah i i find it interesting so i grew up in bermuda and hip-hop at that time in the 80s it just it was still kind of early and it wasn't the thing that people were listening to so a lot of my friends who were into hip-hop we were kind of like the outsiders a bit and it it hadn't hit pop like the way it it has today so i find it um find a little interesting how people sort of come to hip-hop in different from different places that aren't necessarily like new york or whatever the case may be um yeah like what is it about the music production side that you like like what why didn't you get into singing or rapping or some other part of music good question i used to be in like a choir and stuff like that in school and we used to sing a little bit but for whatever reason i never um yeah but for whatever reason i just never thought to be like a singer or anything like that um and I guess when I just became more mature, got a little bit older and just became more mature, I just liked it. And that's kind of just like what I started doing. I don't know. It just happened naturally. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I know. It makes sense. And like what kind of, actually, what kind of software do you use? Um, so right now I use my DAW as Logic Pro. Okay. But I also have a machine um, sampler as well. Yeah. And have a keyboard as well. Um, yeah, so those are my main staples. When, okay. when I first started, I actually had like an MPC 2000. So that was the same one I think Kanye West used and mm-hmm. um, Jay Dilla, I think. No, actually he had a 3000. But Q-Tip, I think, also a 2000. But I had, that was a, like a pretty good piece. But I just mm-hmm. found the technology is just like evolved so much. And it just used to take so long to they record each individual track into the computer once the beat was done. And I was like, there has to be an easier way. So I just kind of switched to software 
Right. Right. And the machine studio like just lets me keep the like because there's pads on that. It just kind of lets me keep the uh, the like the feel of the NPC, but it's more on the software lane. If that. Yeah. No, makes sense. And I was also listening to um, this song you got with uh, called "Keep It Real" with uh, Justo the MC. Yeah. And I got some strong Wu Tang vibes from that. Did you? Yeah. In a, in a song like that, does a, the rapper come to you? And, and I noticed like he referenced Wu Tang a little bit in his lyrics. So was that like a he knew he was gonna do that and he said I want a beat that sounds like it could be Wu-Tang influenced or was it like he heard the beat and then came up with the music the lyrics um well he heard the beat and then he came up with the lyrics but after we added the method man um scratch at the Uh end of it because he did mention Wu-Tang so we said okay well might as well just commit to it now but I just find anytime, for whatever reason, anytime that like you sample a certain type of, like, I think that song, yeah, there was like a guitar that I sampled and then built around. It just like, for whatever reason, just gave it like that type of vibe. Mm, Gotcha. I've been, I I talk to beat makers and producers quite a bit. And there's always this issue of getting rappers to listen to their music or work with them. How do you, how did you, how are you finding that? Like, what's your strategy for working with rappers or getting their attention? Um, it's good. That's a really good question. Um, I think I've gotten better at this as time has gone on, but I find that if the music is quality, like to a certain extent, like there's tons of people that are actually looking for music and looking for beats and that type of thing. And I think if you just like kind of approach it in a professional way, mm-hmm. um, well, what can happen then is, um, once you once you approach it in a professional way, um, it's not really that hard. I find as long as it's a match. Like I wouldn't, for example, I'm more so in the lane of like traditional hip hop. Like I wouldn't go and necessarily reach out to like a you know a trap artist. But mm-hmm. if I know somebody in New York, or if I just do some like searching through SoundCloud or that type of thing, and I hear somebody's music that I like, you know, I may message twenty people. I may only hear back from like two or three, but it's a kind of a numbers thing at that point. Got you. Got you. And at this point, are you charging rappers for beats or is it more like a trying to get established? Most thing? of the time I just, um, just try to get established. I mean, I uh-huh. just give away a lot of things, but I have sold some, I have sold some music in the past as well. I kind okay. of just depends on what exactly, how much time I have and that type of thing. Mostly. Right. Do you find, <laughs> I'm curious about this. Have you found it like more difficult to work with people who are um, charging? I mean, like who people who are paying you or people who are not paying you? Um, well, usually what I do is uh, I actually put the art first. Okay. So what that means is that like, I prefer to just like, for example, if I think that there's potential in somebody and you know, they're a good person and they're good to work with. Well, in that situation, I'll just give them some beats for free and say, okay, well, let's collaborate on this and see where this goes. But there have been like situations in the past, like I don't do it as much anymore, but like online, I just used to put beats for sale and like, I wouldn't know who would buy them. And it's like mm. a cool, like a hundred dollars here, a hundred 
dollars there. But at the end of the day, it's just like, you're not really, you don't know the per- people on a personal level mm. and you don't know, and you have no say once the beat is sold, what the music is actually going to be mm-hmm. going to sound like. So for that reason, I've kind of, I've stayed away from that. Right. Yeah. And that's interesting because would you also find you're not necessarily getting the credit when they say buy a beat randomly yeah. like that? Yeah, abso- absolutely. Like I, again, it's up to the person who purchase it. And if they decide to put your name on it type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, there are people that have like a license that have this like art of selling beats online and that perfected and they mm-hmm. have like certain licenses and it's like, okay, you have to give me, you know, a certain percent yeah. and all that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a certain percentage up front and uh, yes. And that type of thing and say, okay, well you have to give me 50% of the track when it's all sudden done. My name has to be here and that type of thing. But, you know, typically, uh, I'm not as big on selling beats online anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I just like uh, to put out my own project. I'm just working on my own projects. Okay. Are you like ever concerned with uh, like label representation or anything like that? Is that something you've considered? Um, do you mean like in a, if a label approached me? Yeah, like they gave you some kind of a deal to work with one of their artists for a certain project or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't gotten really gotten that opportunity yet, but if, if I did, it would have to be like a situation that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it probably would have to be like a label, like, uh, you know, like a fat beats or something in that type of lane of hip hop. Right. Right. Like I could see you getting in with even a Royce the five nine type. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and like, what would you say in terms of how much you produce? Are you like every day in there making beats or is it kind of more like uh, when I feel like it thing? Um, every day, because before when it used to be like when I feel like it, then I found after a while when I just like used to audit what I did at the end of the year, like I just would have a spreadsheet and just record kind of like what I did. Hmm. And I didn't get the production that I would have liked. So I just kind of go in there, whether or not I feel like it or not, more often, even on the days that I don't feel like doing anything. Um, and even if I don't come up with anything, you know, on the, in the grand scheme of things, I find that uh, I definitely get more done. Mm. Do you think it's almost like a muscle, like you're, you get worse when you're not doing it every day? Uh, I think so. I uh, think you're right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, like other, it's funny because other people who I, I've talked to have said similar things. Like they literally every day are just like putting, creating the 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 the, the work you guys put in is is insane to me. Uh, and uh, it seems like you could literally just make music all day, <laughs> um, nonstop. Like even if I don't make a beat, like if I, you know, email somebody or if I, you know, you know, find, go through some records for like, you know, a half hour, at least I feel like I'm doing something right. on days that like, I don't feel like doing anything or I'm really busy. Mm-hmm. So I find even like little things like that, just the fact that I've done something, it makes kind of mentally, I think it helps. Yeah. So what's like your biggest challenge with this? Like, do you have, I'll put it this way. Do you have a big goal with this? Like, do you want to see yourself as 
say like the next Pete Rock or um, Jay Dilla or someone like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody wants to be recognized um, for their music to that extent. Like, I think that would be kind of the long-term goal. And I think most people that are serious kind of have that, kind of have that goal. Mm -hmm. That's, well, that's my, that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, And I think the only way really like nowadays is just to keep on putting out quality projects and hopefully over time just being recognized. Mm -hmm. Right. Is that something you would say is like your big piece of advice for people who are looking to be beat makers? Is it, is it like literally just a, like a numbers game of, of putting stuff out and then, cause I see you working with ghetto socks and, and you've got like, you're on this new collaborative album with ghetto socks and that has get sky zoo and Rome streets and artifacts and all these artists like, was it just a matter of you got on that radar and now they know you and they're starting to reach out to you sort of thing too? Yeah, exactly. Mm. The thing is, is that before, like when I first started, I was playing a fool's game. I, yeah, I have to tell people, whoever's listening to this, just because I don't want anybody to fall down like the same pit, the, you know, have the same pitfalls as me. But one thing I was doing wrong was I was just kind of like sending beats up blindly. Okay. just like hoping to get placements on other people's albums. And, but when you, you know, depend on other people like that to come through and that like, it's just, I don't think it's a, um, it's a recipe for long-term success. So I flipped the narrative and I just kind of started working on my own projects. And when, when I did that and got, it helped my name get out there more, which then increased my chances of getting placements on other people's <laughs> projects, which is backwards, but mm-hmm. that's, that's how it's worked out for me so far. Gotcha. Um, and the other thing, the other pitfall was, I can't remember what I was just going to say, but, uh, oh yes, yes. The other one, very important, is building locally. Uh. I know like nowadays with the internet, people are saying it, building locally isn't as, port, as important, which may be somewhat true, but still very important because almost every big artist has blown up in their city before going internationally mm-hmm. that's it's like the jay-z line right where he says something about you not being big like go to your city and nobody knows you type thing and i found that similarly with my clothing brand too uh initially i just went straight online and just focused on promoting it that way but there's something to be said about actually like getting to know people in your community and, and uh, finding support there. I would say like most of my my sales come from people in Halifax at this point. And uh, it's, yeah, despite me being adamant that Art Pays Me is an international brand, it's like still locally, local is important. Oh yeah, but that's, but you bring up, you bring up some interesting points um, because like I find too in person, like if I sell a bean to somebody in person and I know I can work with that person in person, you know, that's like one thing, but online, I can't really, you know, I don't know what the other person is going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is you bring up an interesting point about, uh, about oh, it being an international brand and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Is there something about, people there's a level of trust i guess that has to be established 
And if you can get people locally to trust you, eventually it spills out in a wider way, I guess you could say. Do you, do you find that it was harder to get support locally than say in, outside the province? Because I have found that. In some ways, yes. And I can see how that would definitely happen music wise too, because you often think of local musicians as whack for, and that's not true. No. Um, but that's a lot of times people do that. And I can see that like, oh, someone from, T from Toronto is like, let me pay attention to them or from this place, from that place. Don't even realize someone in your backyard is actually making similar music or you know, in some ways better music. And um, yeah, for me, with the clothing brand, I found that once I started to get a bigger social media following that wasn't local, then more local people started to care, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's so funny, like with a lot of this stuff, it's optics. So even when I did my first fashion show, um, the brand wasn't really that known, but because I now had like high quality photos and people on a runway, the optics made people more likely to buy. So, uh, and the, the quality of the clothing didn't change. So it's, um, it's funny how, like I can see you now, like if, if um, you get on, you get featured on somebody's album, who's a known name somewhere else, all of a sudden, local rappers are gonna start reaching out to you in, in a lot in a bigger way. And it's like, that, that sh probably shouldn't happen that way, but human human behavior is interesting that way. It's true, I, I agree 100% with what you just said. Yeah. It's like people don't recognize, you know, what you're doing until something happens in another place, which is strange. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we're lucky in that sense that we have the internet. So we have that option. So we, we can do that. And it's, it's the other reason too, like we, you know, we talked about the importance of building locally, but it would also, I guess, mean it's important to not only focus on local, even though local is important. Cause I've seen that too, where people get hyper-focused on local, but and it works for them, so I can't I can't knock people for it. However, for that same reason, like you just sometimes just having that outside credibility, it just it helps. It helps. I find too. I find Halifax is like a difficult city, in a in some ways to like build locally. Like you, I find you really have to like kind of kind of put in your you know, put in your time, you know, do your work and actually like show up to events and shake hands and, and yes. that type of thing. And in a way it's almost harder, almost easier in a big city to, um, to network because I find in big cities, there'll often be events and you can just like free events and that type of thing. And you can literally just show up and kind of just meet who you want type of thing and network and everyone is doing the same, but here it's, it seems like it's actually more difficult. Why do you why do you think that? Do you think it's is it because there are less events or because people there's more of a clickish behavior? I wouldn't necessarily say clickish be just because um, I mean I think that overall I think that like Halifax is like an accepting place like once you know you kind of 
you show up a few times and that I think that most people kind of accept you into their group or whatever you're trying to doing. Mm-hmm. But I find that like in bigger cities, I guess, where there's more what where what we say outsiders, mm-hmm. right? I think that more people are trying to do the same thing. And it almost seems like everybody's starting from like the same place. But here it's like there's been groups that are like different cliques and stuff, like you said, that have been established like for mm-hmm. years and that type of thing. And it's maybe a little bit harder to get in. If that right. No, I, I get that. I think it's almost like in a bigger city, almost everyone is technically an outsider maybe. Yeah, so, that's what I mean. Yeah, right. Yeah, so everyone's an outsider. So you just naturally trust outsiders. And yeah, yeah that like, makes sense. Like, for example, New York, like, I don't, most people aren't actually from New York. Right. You know, like. <laughs> I I went there a few years back and I re, it was amazing that we heard like so many different accents on one block and not one of them was an actual New York accent. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. Like I went, I think two years ago, there was like a, just some free events and stuff like that that I went to. And mm-hmm. uh, one of them was like, um, there's a record label. It's called Rostrum Records. I think they used to have Mac Miller was one of their like, clients, mm. and like Wiz Khalifa. Like I think they those guys were some of their clients. But they had a free, um, I guess, like listening event. And because what they did is they re-released this record from 1988. That that um, I think MC Light was on Chub Rock. Like a lot of what I would consider to be like old rap. Yeah. But we released it and they had like a party and they had like, you know, kind of like they gave out lemonade, like, and like lots of props. You can get your picture taken. And there was like guest speeches and they're kind of talking about the state of the union on hip hop and that type of thing mm-hmm. in the city, which was like cool because like you said, like literally anybody can come from off the street and you can talk to anybody, you know what I mean? But here mm-hmm. it doesn't really seem to be like that for whatever reason. So What's next for you, Ashley? Like, do you have so do you have anything that you want to promote or? Well, yeah, I have two upcoming projects. So, the first project is a eight-track EP okay. with Justo the MC from Brooklyn, New York, who is the MC that you mentioned on Keep It Real. Yeah, and I also have a collaborative album with Ghetto Socks coming out uh, sometime this year, hopefully, depending on when we can finish the recording due to to the pandemic but that's gonna be a special project Mm. um we have some good names on there like we have sky zoo oc um rome streets etc man like i gotta get him on the podcast too actually uh his his um his voice the way he puts rhyme schemes together like it's elite it's elite Always, always been a fan of Ghetto Sauce's music. So, how do people get in, uh, get in touch with you? What's your social media handles and um, all that stuff? Well, so I have a website. It's dkproducer.com, yeah. and then from there you can get my Twitter, um, Instagram. Well, I don't really tweet a whole lot. Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook. Um, but I would just say the easiest place is just you can get rich on Instagram. Uh, my handle is dk underscore producer. Okay. And you know what? Actually, on Instagram, I was checking it out today. Are those little, like, 
snippets of unfinished tracks that you're working on yeah it's just all unfinished sometimes what i do is i just like uh i just post up snippets of beats and just mm -hmm. see what the people's reaction is ah uh, like, okay. like it, and i'm saying okay well you know maybe i'll keep this for something it's just interesting because stuff that you think is mediocre other people like and vice versa like you just don't know i find what, how people are going to react yeah no I, I actually i like that i think it's smart for uh, producer to do stuff like that and I was just I kind of went down a rabbit hole a little bit of just checking them all out and um, I I play with designs for my brand like that sometimes I'll just like do a little sketch and throw it out just to see what the reaction is and that'll determine whether or not it becomes a clothing thing or not or that's I good do yeah. It. yeah so yeah, one of the problems I've found recently, though, is that it seems for whatever reason, Instagram seems to be hiding more like authentic engagement. Yes. In terms, and they like prioritize the paid stuff. So you wonder, like, I post one beat and say like 50 people like it, mm -hmm. but I post like one that I think is just as good, if not better, the next day, but they decide not to show that. Is Does that mean that it's not good? Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Yeah, the the old social media marketing has is like you take it for as a, a grain of salt at this point too because like I and I used to get um, shy about promoting or putting things out multiple times because I'm like I posted about that three times already say I don't want to post it again but then I I I finally like work up the courage, if you call it that, to post the thing again. And so many people will be like, I love that. I've never seen, like, how long has it been in your store? I'm like, it's been in my store for like a year. Like, and you've never seen it? And it's like, no, it's like the, the algorithms are hiding things, so. Especially for Twitter, I find there's so many tweets, like you just have to tweet about the same thing three times, basically, for somebody to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's your lesson, folks. Don't think that you're... <laughs> Don't feel guilty about um, promoting yourself and putting stuff out multiple times because it's the only way it's going to get seen sometimes. That's true. Yeah. So, DK, thank you for jumping on our Pays Me. Okay. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Yes. Take care. Me too. Thank you so much for listening to the Art Pays Me podcast. Thank you to Lange Beats for the theme music. If you got anything out of this show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. The more you do this, the more reach the podcast gets, and the more artists I can help learn to make a living at what they love. If you want to know more about what I do, hit me up at artpaysme.com or at artpaysme on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. See y'all next time.